The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Today's world news, what it means, where it's taking us. I bring you the one and only possible message of world peace. This is a message of hope, tremendous hope. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again. The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. I want Republican voters to understand this. What's going to be happening in March? He's going to be sitting in a courtroom in Washington, D.C. with Mark Meadows 20 feet away from him. Yeah. Saying he committed crimes in front of me on my watch. This is a guy who was Velcroed to Trump's hip Mm -hmm. for the entire 2020 campaign and all the post campaign nonsense. And so this is deadly. It's done. He's going to be convicted. But it's over. What's he convicted of? Well, he'll be in the January 6th case. He's going to be convicted of obstructing Congress, um, that the actions that he took was obstructing Congress. That's the main and biggest charge that he's going to wind up being convicted of. And I think that Meadows, from what we're reading and being told he's going to say, and it makes sense to me, knowing what was going on then in the White House, is that everyone with any credibility was telling him it wasn't stolen. You didn't lose. You lost. You didn't win. And... That's everybody. That's Meadows. That's Pat Cipollone. That's Bill Barr. Right. Uh, that's Bill Steppi and his campaign manager. Everybody has testified that they were telling him, you lost. There's nothing here. Add to it that he that they filed 60 lawsuits to try to challenge the results, and they went over 60. I mean, you got to get to state of mind. And what was he thinking? Right. Well, it's not just subjective. It's not him saying, well, I didn't think it's so. Who cares? Mm-hmm. It's what is all the objective evidence that was being presented to you? And was it reasonable for right. you to have that state of mind? And I think any jury would probably conclude, given all those people testifying, that it was a reasonable. They're all they're, they're, they're all in. I so I, I still have the title, but I voted Democratic last election cycle. If it's Trump against Joe Biden, I'll vote Democratic this coming one. Because, Anderson, I really believe it's down to one issue on the ballot. And not taxes, not even abortion, nothing. The one issue is, do you believe in democracy or do you believe in authoritarianism? And I think that's the only thing we should be voting on. Because you see a legitimate slide to authoritarianism if Donald Trump is reelected. I see if he's reelected, not a slide, a sprint. Because in January 6th, we saw the guardrails, you know, of democracy held. The car hit the rails that kept you on the road. That rail can't take two hits. And now they know what they're doing. Now they know where the tricks are in the system. I guarantee you Donald Trump will not put people around him that are loyal to the Constitution and will push back. He'll put, if you interview 100 people, trust me, you're going to find somebody to be attorney general that simply tells you, I'll do whatever you want, Mr. President. Those guardrails are being ripped out. And that's what I see as, as what would happen, frankly, if he's reelected. What do you think is sure. next? Right. I mean, so the gag order went away for nine days. It gets reinstated. He says these things about Bill Barr. What he got fined $10,000 uh, for him. That's you know, pennies, and no matter what his real wealth is, it's still pennies. Um, so what, 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 where does he end up on this? Well, the New York judge fined him $10,000. That's in a civil case. You know, that's not as consequential as Judge Chutkin's case. I think yep. Judge Chutkin, um, you know, prudently allowed Trump to try to persuade her to extend the gag order. 
she concluded, you know, on the basis of his conduct this week, not to do so. <laughs> and uh, I think she'll come in with a much heavier uh, uh, penalty, and ultimately I think he'll, you know, spend a night or a weekend in jail. Wow. I think it's going to take that. I think it will take that to, you know, to stop him. Wow, that'll be an incredible thing to actually see happen. But you think that's where it goes? I do. What is it that the Republican base thinks about Trump that you're missing? And, and I think the answer, very simply, is the Republican base, base thinks that Trump won the 2020 election. And, and for that reason alone, the Republican base thinks this guy deserves another shot because he is the, the legitimate winner of the last one. So. There you go. Another another mega montage to kick off today's show. All the, to- the talking heads, of course, going on and on about Trump being finished or how you've got to lock him up to prevent him from going forward politically. And then Dinesh D'Souza there at the end saying he still enjoys popular support from the Republican base. You're listening to Stephen Flurry. This is the Trumpet Daily We appreciate you joining us on today's show. You can get to the live video stream of this show at TrumpetDaily.com or at our Rumble channel. Just go to uh, Rumble.com forward slash TrumpetDaily and you can watch the live stream every weekday morning at 11 a.m. in the central time zone of the United States. I've mentioned the... uh, the world premiere of our uh, documentary, Israel's 9-11. That will be posted at the Rumble channel at or around 4 p.m. this afternoon, Central Time, 5 p.m. on the East Coast. So, as I said yesterday, it's not, uh, it's probably not for little children. Um, but in any event, uh, viewer discretion is advised. It's, uh, it's true, though. As I said on yesterday's show, I mean, all of the horrific acts of violence. I mean, it actually happened three weeks ago when Hamas invaded southern Israel and, uh, and started uh, murdering uh, pregnant women, little babies, beheading men, women, children alike. Really horrific stuff. And as I'll cover later on in this segment, you look at, uh, you look at our modern, very sophisticated age And I mean, it really does confirm uh, these atrocities. It really does confirm what Herbert Armstrong uh, talked about so many, many years ago. The paradox of our time. That even as we advance with technology and so on, look at the evils that persist. Look at the evils that, that just spread so fast right across the globe. As I say, we'll get to an article on that uh, in just a moment. But, but again, don't forget, Israel's 9-11. It's only going to be posted at our Rumble channel. Um, so if you'd like to watch that, it's a little over an hour long. Um, and it will bring to your memory what uh, so many people are already trying to blot out. <laughs> They're already trying to scrub it from the, uh, the Internet. Yesterday I talked about the movement to remove Donald Trump from the ballot in Colorado. There's efforts underway in Minnesota to do the same thing. Just take him off the ballot. Why not? Why not? Well, I mean, we're trying to put him in jail. The gag order, hopefully that'll put him in jail for a weekend, as the guy said there in the cold open. Hopefully the gag order, the four indictments, 
The 91 felony charge, something's got to stick because we've got to get rid of this guy. We certainly don't want to put it up to the American people to decide. This is a little bit more from Dinesh D'Souza in his interview, part of which you just saw there in the opening. Clip three. The spine of the Republicans needs to be stiffened, and Republicans also need to fight smarter because they... um, Uh, We're up against something. I don't know an alternative to the Republican Party, and I don't really sympathize with people who talk about a third party or Mm -hmm. we need some other, uh, because this is the mechanism we have. And uh, and it's a mechanism with a great history, and it's one that could be very effective if we use the power, just the power that we already have right now. Just use the power that we already have. But so many of them are too weak to do that. (laughs) So there's D'Souza on with uh, Ruben in that exchange saying that, look, uh, yeah, third party, some have talked about that, but uh, really, we just need to show some courage. Look at what we're fighting against. They're trying to take them off the ballot in Colorado, soon to be Minnesota, probably Michigan, Pennsylvania will follow. I mean, America has never seen anything like this. And, and for what? <laughs> Leading an insurrection. So they're going to bring in Swalwell, they're going to bring in a couple of uh, a couple of left-wing attorneys to testify. They're basically going to present the January 6th report put together by a bunch of Democrats. You heard Kinzinger in the opening. He's a Democrat. He votes Democrat. He didn't run for re-election, by the way, because he knew he would be voted out. Liz Cheney, she's contemplated whether she's going to run for president. She's the most unpopular politician in Wyoming. These people, Chris Christie, what's he sitting at? Like 3%? Yeah, he's, he's, Christie is on record as saying Trump's going to be in jail. Oh yeah, you, you can't vote for someone like that. These people, as I say, this is uh, from that, the opening uh, remarks yesterday or the hearing in that court case in Colorado. This is uh, Donald Trump's attorney speaking on his behalf, clip five. Uh, So I don't have a highly produced video, but I do have a few words that I think this court should follow and think about in this case. Um, The United States is the oldest uh, modern democracy, well over 200 years, far different than any other country in many ways. And what makes us different is the experiment we launched, which is this thing called elections. We have elections. And that means when it comes to decide as to who should lead our nation, it's the people of the United States of America that get to make those decisions. Not six voters in Colorado who've picked and chosen who they want to file a lawsuit against. And this court should not interfere with that fundamental value, that rule of democracy. It's the people who get to decide. And this lawsuit seeks to cancel that principle. This lawsuit is anti-democratic. It looks to extinguish the opportunity, extinguish it, the opportunity for millions of Coloradans, Colorado Republicans and unaffiliated voters, to be able to choose and vote for the presidential candidate they want. In fact, the leading Republican presidential candidates. And by many measures, the candidate, you know, most likely to win the presidency. 
They try and they want to extinguish that opportunity by preventing him from running for office. It is anti-democratic. This is a case of lawfare that seeks to interfere with the presidential election. We argue here that this, at its basest level, this is election interference. Lawfare, election interference, that's what it is, pure and simple. <laughs> There's one of Trump's attorneys pointing that out. But uh, he's pointing it out to a left-wing judge that will most likely slap him down, take him off the ballot, let six voters decide who you can even vote for. Six! Six voters. That's what's happening in Colorado. And as we noted in the trumpet brief or the morning brief earlier today, the movement's already afoot in, uh, in Minnesota. Think of it. Just take it. The, lead, the leading Republican candidate, just remove him from the ballot. There's a, there's a way to ensure that Joe Biden is able to steal another election, or Barack Obama, I guess, to be more precise. Listen to one more bit from uh, Trump's attorney. This is clip six. The petitioners here, the six voters, have appointed themselves private attorney generals. They can pick and choose and file lawsuits against whom they seek to disqualify. And they rely on exceptionally weak and, in, frankly, in some cases, fringe legal and logical theories to try and tilt the playing field of this election by wiping out President Trump's ability to run for election well before anyone has an opportunity to vote. They're asking today for a number of historical firsts. First, this is the first, they are asking this court to be the first ever in American history, in American history, to disqualify a presidential candidate under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. Unprecedented. We're seeing that word used all the time now because it's never happened. Donald Trump, of course, is out there on the campaign trail pointing it out often as well. Indictments, all these crazy indictments. And this is happening. This is happening as all of this corruption is being exposed in the, the Biden crime family investigation, as we had in the morning brief. It says American politics are back into the spotlight. Joe Biden sent, listen to this, Joe Biden sent or received 82,000 pages of emails using accounts with pseudonyms, according to figures released yesterday as part of a Freedom of Information Act lawsuit. It says here the amount is well above the 33,000 emails former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton deleted off her personal server, causing a nationwide scandal. That's according to the Daily Mail. Of course, it's got to be the Daily Mail that picks up on this, this story and runs with it. It's not going to be Morning Joe. You hear what they're talking about. I played it in the cold open. Get Trump. Get Trump. That's the same theme they go with every morning. 82,000 emails or pages of emails using pseudonyms, a different name than Joe Biden. I mean, this is worse than Hillary Clinton, even. And that was pretty bad. She was never held to account. Joe Biden, Jim Biden, Hunter Biden, all the nieces and nephews that were on the take. Not held to account. But get Trump off the ballot. Why? Because he gave a speech. 
He gave a speech. He said, protest peacefully. But in fact, he meant be violent and try to overthrow the government. That's the, the essence of the argument coming from prosecutors in Colorado. And they've got a judge there that's intrigued by this argument, this novel argument to just get Trump off the ballot. Never mind what's happening in the Biden crime family. This is from American Greatness. It says here, more than 40 FBI confidential human sources, CHS, have snooped on Joe Biden and his family over the years on various criminal uh, matters related to their influence peddling schemes, according to information obtained by Senator Chuck Grassley. It says the confidential human sources have provided criminal information to the FBI relating to Joe Biden, James Biden, and Hunter Biden. It says those confidential human sources were uh, reportedly managed by multiple FBI field offices across the nation. Their investigations were eventually thwarted by an FBI task force within the Washington field office which falsely discredited the information as foreign, foreign disinformation, just like all of those intel officers were willing to sign on and say, uh, yeah, Hunter's laptop has all the hallmarks of Russian disinformation. They lied. It's like I covered yesterday on the show. It's so pervasive. It's all through Washington, all through the swamp, built upon lies and deception. That's what they are out there actively promoting, propaganda. They're, they're really no better than the Gaza Health Ministry. It says here, in at least one case, multiple U.S. attorneys' offices were reportedly able to vet a CHS's information and found no hits to known sources of Russian disinformation. Grassley laid out these accusations and more in a letter to A.G. Merrick Garland. He says, look, your agencies, they're corrupt. They're, they're politically motivated. They've been weaponized. Well, by who? By the dear leader, Barack Hussein Obama. Listen to this one. This is from the Wall Street Journal. House, House Republicans uh, continue to unpack the Justice Department's botched Hunter Biden probe. And they've got this witness, Scott Brady. I guess he testified about a week ago. But it says here, in January of 2020, then Attorney General Bill Barr tapped Brady, that's Scott Brady, to vet information related to Ukrainian corruption and to pass along credible material to offices with ongoing investigations. Basically, this article talks about how that Brady was prevented by the higher-ups at the DOJ, even during the time that Bill Barr oversaw it, that, that Bill Barr was the AG. It says here, Brady and four assistant attorneys worked to check the allegations they received against government records and open source documents. His team lacked uh, grand jury authority to compel interviews or subpoena records, so it worked with the FBI to run names, bank accounts, emails, and the like. Yet Mr. Brady said he came to understand that his main contact, the FBI office in Pittsburgh, couldn't take any steps without the review and the approval of FBI headquarters. 
<laughs> not just the, the leadership of FBI Pittsburgh. I mean, it was the higher ups, the very top of the FBI. Chris Ray, Bill Barr, now Merrick Garland, thoroughly corrupt. Sundance over at Conservative Treehouse, he says, beyond the details, granular information, citations, and evidence, what becomes crystal clear is that every root and branch of the FBI is now politically corrupt. You heard years ago, Hannity and others that would say, it's just the top. It's just the very top. Everybody else, the tens of thousands of FBI agents, I mean, they're honest patriots just trying to get to the truth, trying to uphold a, a standard of justice that applies to everybody. No, no. It's every root and branch. Thoroughly corrupt. Sickness, head to toe. <laughs> This article, going back to the Wall Street Journal, it says, Mr. Brady describes a reluctance on the part of the FBI to really do any tasking related to allegations of Ukrainian corruption broadly, and then specifically anything that inter intersected with Hunter Biden and his role in Burisma. It was just covered up. And Bill Barr, I mean, there was a clip of him today. I didn't, I didn't grab it, but um, there's a clip of him talking about Donald Trump not getting his way when he said, hey, you need to look into Ukrainian corruption. So he kind of sent Rudy Giuliani to at least look into it because Barr's Department of Justice wouldn't do it. They just refused. All of this corruption, this crime carried out by Joe Obama. And they go after Donald Trump for moving boxes, for supposedly leading an insurrection. Just crazy childish reasoning and yet here come prosecutors in a court of law and a judge they're nodding and oh yes this is very i mean this this novel idea i think we might be able to take down trump because of this it says here brady's interview also set the record straight on on uh, the now infamous fbi 1023 well it just basically goes on and shows how corrupt the FBI and the DOJ are, this uh, article that I mentioned at the top of the show, The Battle of Civilization, it's titled, and it just basically confirms everything Herbert Armstrong used to say about the great paradox of our time. As we advance in technology, as we become more sophisticated with our devices and such, a push-button society in so many respects, you see evil, you see evil continue to spread faster and faster and farther and farther. Listen to this from Sky News Australia, just talking about all the anti-Semitic riots and protests that we've seen spread right around the earth after Hamas beheaded all those Israelis. Then you see the Jew hatred come to the fore. This is clip seven.
Oh, it's so disturbing, Chris. Um, you know, this is what happens when you have a generation of bored, useless, and overcoddled snowflakes who don't believe in God and they want to feel like they are part of something. These are the same young morons who were out on the streets rioting for BLM a couple years ago, and now they are willing to jump on the anti-Semitic bandwagon to uh, to riot uh, in or just protest in some cases against Israel. Uh, these same people who are out there, I guarantee you, Chris, if you ask these young people anything about the Israeli-Palestinian uh, conflict, they couldn't tell you anything. They have no idea what, why they are out there. This is very dark stuff that's going on all around the world, particularly in Western countries right now. It really does highlight the ignorance, as she brings out. Just kind of, and it also shows, again, the spirit the, it, you saw it in 2020, all these people taking to the streets, rioting, burning, looting. None of them held to account. Just, just focus on the January 6th protest. With, you know, the one with all those FBI agents and Antifa operatives working right in the midst there to stir up anger and resentment. And meanwhile, you've got the world burning. Students taking to the streets protesting in support of all things, in support of Hamas. You know, they should be the ones to sit down and watch the documentary that we've prepared for the Rumble Channel this afternoon. Israel's 9-11. Who started this war? How did it start? Why is Israel responding the way that it is now? This, uh, this article says here, until recently... Many believed that the promise of progress in the 21st century would enable us to move beyond the barbaric horrors of the past toward a brilliant future. That we could go about our comfortable lives and that evil will simply pass us. I mean, we're, we're beyond these barbaric acts of evil, aren't we? We're so very modern and sophisticated, aren't we? Listen to these conservative talking heads speaking about the spread of anti-Semitism on college campuses and in fact right around the world. This is clip eight. These kids who signed these statements while people were still bleeding to death from the rapes and the murders, these are Hitler's youth. These are the same as the people who conducted Kristallnacht 85 years ago. Students have been responsible for some of the worst bloodbaths and abuses in history. Stalin relied on children. Hitler relied on college students. I urge everybody to stop contributing to Harvard, to Yale, to the City University of New York, to the University of Pennsylvania. Let me just tell you about the UN right now. It is the most anti-Semitic body on the planet. So, Britt, quickly, are you surprised, I think I am, by the breadth and depth of the anti-Semitism, not only around the world, but here in this country? But in the American college campuses and elsewhere in this country, we, hear, we see this. You know, I thought, to me, anti-Semitism was something that many, many years ago in this country was kind of common. It was casual, but it was widespread. Um, I thought it had become a sentiment that you never wanted to be caught dead expressing, even what, no matter what you felt, that it was unacceptable, taboo. Uh, I guess not, because what we're seeing now is a lot more of it than I ever imagined even existed. And we're starting to see now this... W Gaza really tore this scab off, and we're seeing a putrid wound of what the Democratic Party is. It's pro, 
the basis, let's face it, it's pro-Hamas. Does President Biden think the anti-Israel protesters in this country are extremists? We hear you guys, though, talk about extremists all the time. It is usually about MAGA extremists. So what about these protesters who are making Jewish I've students feel very, unsafe very on college campuses? Are they extremists? I've been very, very clear. We are calling out any form of hate, any form of hate. It is not acceptable. It should not be acceptable here. And we are going to continue to call that out. And let, and let me be very clear. This is a president that has continued to have that fight in his office, in this administration. You know, when he repealed Trump's Muslim ban on his very first, first day in office. She, she just can't, the KJP there at the end, she just can't help herself. The, the reporter, Ducey, asks about the spread of anti-Semitism. And she talks about those who hate people of the the Muslim faith. She's got to bring it back to Islamophobia. That's that's where our focus is. (laughs) Even as these radical Islamist terrorists massacre 1,400 people and then kidnap another, what, 250? They found the German girl uh, yesterday or last evening. You know, the one they raped and then they paraded her through Gaza City and her legs were broken and, you know, they found her skull. She had been beheaded as well. This is 2023. We've really advanced. They won't even call it out. That's why we produced the documentary that we did. Israel's 9-11. How's Israel supposed to respond? They get two inches into Gaza and you've got calls coming from the Democrat left the the I mean Gaza like VDH pointed out it's it's just pulled off the scab of this Jew hatred that's just all over the world shockingly it should be shocking I guess not for so many we just invite the Jew haters the American haters right into our own country, and then they take to the streets. Or the ones that were invited into Britain, they take to the streets and they start beating up police officers, as I showed you yesterday. What a sickness. What a sickness. Tucker Carlson sat down with uh, Nigel Farage just talking about <laughs> this, this uh, way of the West. Western nations, Israelite nations, I'll add that have just opened their doors to everyone, including people that absolutely hate and despise the Judeo-Christian ethic. This is uh, clip one. I mean, I'm not a conspiracy nut, but it does seem like this is an effort to destroy certain kinds of countries. And of course it's worked. Yeah, yeah. Why not just say that? We have allowed the virus of Marxism to take hold in our countries. We're being told to be ashamed of our histories. We're being told that we're institutionally racist. We're being told that we suffer, you know, from from, from our own form of bias. Um, and we indoctrinate our school kids with this stuff. And the reason this neo-Marxist agenda has taken such hold in Britain, Europe, and indeed, in much of America too, is actually not because of the left, it's because the conservatives I've noticed. in those countries have not 
had the courage to stand up to this stuff. Same point uh, Dinesh D'Souza made. You know, look, we've got to just use the power that we have at the moment and actually stand up against it and show some courage. But Farage there talks about the virus of Marxism. This is uh, the chapter in He Was Right. The communist infiltration of America was prophesied. If you don't have this booklet, he was right. He was right. Herbert Armstrong was talking about this back in the 1940s. This, this virus of Marxism spreading across America. He was right. If you don't have that brochure, call the 800 number that you see there at the bottom of your screen. one 930 3024 A massive explosion of violence is coming. We can push it aside and say, hey, hey. This is our modern era we're talking about. We are sophisticated. We are progressive. Are we? This article, it says here, the horrors that Hamas perpetrated on October 7 remind us that we won't realize the promise of a better future unless we, the civilized world, are willing to fight the barbarians The barbarians are willing to fight us, and their goal is clear. Shatter that promising future, destroy all that we cherish, and usher in a world of fear and darkness. These are the people that Barack Obama sides with. Iran, Hezbollah, Hamas, the Houthis, all of them. It's a dark world. We're entering into dark times, as I said yesterday, perilous times, dangerous times. 2 Timothy 3.1. Read it. Read what Jesus said in, uh, in Matthew 24. Read what he says in Luke 21. It says here, Hamas launched this war by perpetrating... Well, let me just back up. This is a turning point for leaders and nations. It's a time for all of us to decide if we're willing to fight for a future of hope and promise or surrender to tyranny and terror and so many seem like they're fully prepared and ready to just surrender to tyranny to surrender to terrorism to surrender to madmen extremists radicals whatever you want to call them it says here hamas launched this war by perpetrating the worst savagery our people have seen since the holocaust Hamas murdered children in front of their parents and parents in front of their children. They burned people alive, raped women, beheaded men. They tortured Holocaust survivors and kidnapped babies. They committed the the most horrific crimes imaginable. And think of it, there's people that want to just try to equate that together with Israel going into Gaza to root out these people that think this way, that do these things. Yeah, there's a moral equivalence, I guess. Israel bombs a Hamas headquarters. Most of them are under hospitals or schools because they hide behind human shields. They don't get the civilians out in time of war. They put the civilians out in front of them so that when Israel kills the Hamas commander, 
Maybe they'll kill a child as well with that bomb blast. And then BBC and CNN can tell you how much Israel or the Jews hate the people of Gaza. It's, I mean, we've seen this storyline play out over and over and over again, haven't we? It says here, Iran was formed, uh, has formed an axis of terror by arming, training, and financing Hamas in Gaza, Hezbollah in Lebanon, the Houthis in Yemen, and other terror proxies throughout the Middle East and beyond. In fighting Hamas and the Iranian axis of terror, Israel is fighting the enemies of civilization itself. This is uh, from the Wall Street Journal. This is from uh, Benjamin Netanyahu. It says here, victory over these enemies begins with moral clarity. It begins with knowing the difference between good and evil. A lot of people, you see, they don't, they don't know that. They don't know that. Going back to the start of this op-ed, Netanyahu, he talks about the progress of the 21st century and how you would think we're far beyond the, the barbaric horrors of, you know, the dark ages of old. But as he, as he brings out, we're not, are we? We're not. Again, he was right. <laughs> he was right. This is from Mystery of the Ages. If you don't have a copy of that book, make sure you call our operators and request he was right and Mystery of the Ages. Mr. Armstrong says here, I have seen this 20th century, he died in 1986, of course, develop into a state of awesome advancement and achievement. I mean, he lived in the horse and buggy age, Herbert Armstrong. And he saw all of these advances in the 20th century, even into the space age. What would he say about today's age, the information age, the technology age, the age of gadgets, the push-button society? He says, paradoxically, I have seen an alarming escalation of appalling evils, crime and violence, and the crucible of nuclear war develop to threaten the very extinction of the human race within the present living generation. Look at what he witnessed just in the 20th century. The war war that was to end all wars, that was World War I. Well, it didn't end war, did it? World War II starts in 1939. I mean, you look at just the 20th century alone. You you look at the scourge of communism and the tens of millions of people that that killed all across the world, in China and elsewhere. And then you have this happen three weeks ago with Hamas. And I mean, if they had the means to do it, they would have killed 140,000. Forget about 1,400. Kill Jews. The same mentality that you saw all during the Holocaust. Herbert Armstrong said, It's a magic, entrancing, push-button world where work is done largely by machines. It's the glamour dream world of the three L's, leisure, luxury, and license. This is Herbert Armstrong writing in Mystery of the Ages during the night the 1980s he says but paradoxically it's also a world of ignorance 
Even the educated know not how to solve their problems and the world's evils. They know not the way of peace or the true values of life. You see, there, like Isaiah 59 says, there is a way to peace, but we don't know the way. We aren't living the way. We won't go the way. It says about half of the world's population is still illiterate in the grip of abject poverty, living in filth and squalor. The grim reapers of starvation and disease take human lives by the millions. Happens all the time. I've got another story here later on. The New York Magazine coming around and saying, you know, maybe the lockdowns were a mistake. Oh, really? You're just figuring that out now? The whole world, the whole world got behind that movement in 2020. And then they got behind the vaccines. And you, you still keep hearing, there was a celebrity this past weekend, died of a heart attack in his early 50s. I guess it happens all the time. He was a big advocate of the vaccine. Get the jab. Get the vaccine. But just, you know, let that story just kind of fade away. Don't really get into the alarming rise of heart problems among young people. Can't talk about that because you don't want to trace its origin to this unhealthy vaccine that was pushed upon us by so many people in authority. Still is. A lot of them are still out there. And people just falling down, you know, all over the place, like Gavin Newsom in China, just falling, falling to the ground, although he didn't do it because of the vaccine. He did it because he was a little uncoordinated with basketball. But still, people falling down all over the place. We just got to get used to it. It's just normal, I guess. Paradoxically, it's a world of, of ignorance. It says here, it's an unhappy, restless world in frustration, staring a hopeless future in the face. It's a world ridden with escalating crime and violence, immor- immorality, injustice, dishonesty, corruption in government and business, and continual wars, pointing now to the final nuclear World War III. <laughs> it says, why this paradox of progress amid degeneration why is this the case (laughs) make sure you get that that book there mystery of the ages this is a great mystery to mankind they just don't know why there's this great paradox of our time mr armstrong herbert armstrong he was writing about it well ahead of his time back in the mid 1980s He says here, finally, evolutionists, educators, scientists, religionists have striven in vain to solve the mystery of the ages, the origin of matter, the universe and of man, the mystery of humanity, of awesome human accomplishment, paradoxically paralleling human evils, of great minds accomplishing the unbelievable while unable to solve human problems. That perfectly summarizes our day today. This is not a, an outdated book at all. This is a book that is as timely today as it was when it came out in 1985. 
call our operators and request your free copy today. You are listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a, a comment to td at the trumpet.com. Uh, we'll be right back. The developed nations have made awesome progress. They have produced a highly mechanized world, providing every luxury, modern convenience, and means of pleasure. Yet they are cursed with crime, violence, injustice, sickness, and disease, broken homes and families. At the same time, more than one half the world is living in illiteracy, abject poverty, filth, and squalor. Violence and destruction are rapidly multiplying. Many ask, why? If God exists, does he allow so much violence and human suffering? To understand the reason behind this astonishing paradox, request a complimentary copy of Mystery of the Ages. We were born into this 20th century world as it is. We take it for granted, but we can't explain it. It's like viewing a movie at a point already near the end. We see what is occurring at that point, but not having seen it from the beginning and not knowing how events developed to the point of viewing, we simply cannot understand what we are seeing. Mystery of the Ages transports you back to the beginning of the movie, to the foundation of this present evil world. To learn more, please visit thetrumpet.com. Russia and China signed the largest grain supply deal ever on October 18th. The $25.7 billion deal guarantees that China will receive 70 million tons of Russian grains, legumes, and oil seeds every year for 12 years. Russia refused to extend the Black Sea Grain Initiative this year, preventing Ukraine from exporting grain through ports on the Black Sea. The ensuing blockade inflated food costs worldwide, but especially for China, which imported more Ukrainian grain than any other country. Now China will rely on Russia for the grain it once received from Ukraine. This deal is another development in the burgeoning relationship between Russia and China, an alliance that is prophesied to strengthen in the end time. The Bible predicts that Russia, supported by China, will lead a powerful group of Asian nations that will threaten the peace of the world. To learn more about this important prophesied alliance, read Russia and China in Prophecy. France will no longer wait for permission from the European Court of Human Rights to deport potentially dangerous immigrants, the French Interior Minister stated on October 19th. This may break European Union human rights laws, but France is prepared to pay the price. If the court rules that a deportation is illegal, France will pay the fine but won't allow the immigrant to return. The Interior Minister also proposed a bill allowing the government to detain migrants who are criminals or on a terrorist watch list for up to 18 months without a charge. Currently, the migrants are often released before their deportation paperwork is finished. As terrorist attacks by immigrants become more common throughout Europe, Europeans are calling for their leaders to take action. Bible prophecy warns that crises like Europe's migrant problem will cause strong authoritarian leaders to rise across the continent. 
To learn more about the significance of Europe's migrant crisis, read A Second Migrant Crisis is About to Overwhelm Europe. The war between Israel and Hamas has marked a distinct cooling in the relations between Turkey and Iran and its terrorist proxies. Hamas is unhappy with Turkey's response to its October 7th attack on Israel, calling Turkey's statements about the war inadequate. A source close to the Turkish government said Ankara is active in negotiations with Iran and Hezbollah. The source said Turkey's goal is to prevent a new front in the Israeli conflict and that Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan was cooling ties with Hamas. Erdogan even asked a Hamas deputy to leave Turkey after the deputy told Al Jazeera that Hamas had captured enough Israeli soldiers to force Israel to free all of its Palestinian prisoners. The Bible predicts that in the end time, Turkey will betray its traditional alliances with its neighbors and turn its allegiance to Europe. Although Turkey seems to be prioritizing its ties with Israel at the moment, Bible prophecy says it will soon betray Israel too. To understand more about Turkey's role in end time prophecy, read East, West or Neither. To learn more about current world news and how it relates to Bible prophecy, please visit thetrumpet.com. There's your, your latest installment of World Watch. Uh, we were meaning to play that yesterday, but uh, didn't get around to it. Ran out of time, as we often do on this show. And I look at the clock now, and there's only a few minutes left, but we can uh, follow on yesterday's Bible study with just a few additional thoughts. If you were uh, watching yesterday's show, you heard that we went through the Ninth Commandment, the spirit of that law, and pointed out just how pervasive its, it's uh, breaking is around the world. People breaking the commandment all the time. And no one held to account that example that I gave to you from Malachi's message. My father basically saying that, okay, this minister says, my God's not going to send you strong delusion. And then my father saying in Malachi's message, all right, go and and, and read what it actually says in 2 Thessalonians. It says here, this is from uh, Malachi's message, please read your Bible and see what it says. In Revelation 2 and 3, God discusses five church eras that went astray. God didn't desert them. They deserted God. And God did remove, God did not rather, remove the leader. He removed the lamp. This Laodicean minister basically said, if, uh, you know, if God needs to, he'll just kick the leader out, put someone else in. In other words, the organization could never go astray, basically. That's what he was maintaining back in the 1980s and 90s before he then left the Worldwide Church of God and started his own church. Human reasoning run amok. It says, God did not remove the leader. He removed the lamp. Christ quit leading them because they deserted him. Then he raised up another church. Or another era. That's exactly what he did following the death of Herbert Armstrong. He raised up this church. He raised up another leader. And he says, now go and, and raise up the ruins and, and proclaim the truth. Those that were faithful at the very beginning of this seventh era of the church, they held fast to the truth. Even when God sent strong delusion to see if they really did love truth. How much do you love 
the truth of God. Exodus 20 and verse 16 again, it says, Thou shalt not bear false witness against your neighbor. As I explained on yesterday's show, I mean, this, this particular uh, commandment, it protects the reputation of your brother, of your neighbor. Lang's commentary regarding this commandment, it says, not only uh, every lying, but in general, every untrue and unfounded testimony is forbidden. Also, not only testimony before the judge, but in general, every untrue testimony. That's what this command uh, covers. Yesterday, I mentioned just how, as Herbert Armstrong said, it's, it's one of the most difficult things for a human being to do is to just admit that he's wrong. To admit that he, he uh, is in, he's not accepting the truth or he's, he's accepted all kinds of false or pagan uh, traditions. To admit error, to face failure. This is what he wrote in a, a personal back in 1969. Herbert Armstrong said, Human nature does not want to say, I'm evil, I'm wrong. What I believe is error. What I did was wrong. Human nature wants to be right or believe it is right, while doing wrong, it wants to think of itself as right, not wrong. This is why we're so willing and able to just lie and deceive ourselves that, well, yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing the right, when really we're not following in those steps of Christ. James chapter 1 talks about deceiving yourself if you're a hearer only and not a doer. If we have time on a later show, maybe we can uh, finalize this Bible study on the subject of the Ninth Commandment. I just wanted to reiterate here at the end of today's show that we've got Israel's 9-11, the new documentary that we've produced. We're going to put it exclusively on the Rumble channel later this afternoon. That would be around 4 p.m. Central Time here in the United States. So about four hours from now. You can, uh, you can watch Israel's 9-11. As I said, it's not for everyone. It's, it's not for children. Uh, or if, if it is for older children, uh, there needs to be a parent there to just help discuss what it is that you'll see. But this is, I mean, this is reality. This is our very progressive, modern, sophisticated world in all of its ugliness and horror. That's Israel's 9-11 at rumble.com forward slash trumpet daily you are listening to stephen flurry and this is the trumpet daily we thank you for joining us on today's show and we'll see you tomorrow <laughs>